present and future. God bless you. Again, turn around, shake somebody's hand. Again, tell them it's good to see them. Smile real big. Show somebody your molars. This scripture in in verse 8 is one that we love to quote. Everybody knows this scripture. Everybody knows and has quoted this, and and we're excited about the fact. But it's kind of an odd placement. Paul is addressing the church in Hebrew, the, the, the Jewish church or the Hebrew church when he is writing the book of Hebrews and he starts to tell them to remember the people that they sit under, to remember their pastor, remember them that have the rule over you. In other words, be cognizant of the fact that you're sitting under their ministry to listen and give gravity and give weight to what they say because they're watching for your souls and and follow, follow them in the faith that they're preaching and teaching, considering the end of their conversation. But then kind of out of nowhere, the writer of Hebrews, some believe was Paul's, it's, it's, uh, or, or Paul wrote it, and I'm not going to debate that tonight, but, but the writer of Hebrews then out of nowhere makes this statement, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in verse 9, right after this statement, uh, almost as quick as it started, it ends, and and Paul goes back to, or the writer goes back to, talking to the church about don't be carried away by strange doctrines. Don't don't get crazy uh, off into wildfire and believing everything you hear and everything you see. And the placement of this scripture is, is kind of strange to me. It's like Paul had a, a, a thought there for just a moment and, and wanted to, uh, to show us and, and to write to us that Jesus Christ is the same. He doesn't change. The, the, the ministry may fail. The ministry may change. The, the, the man may have a, a situation in his life or, or may have a problem and he may change and And then behind that scripture in verse 8, he begins to talk about strange doctrines. And and he talks about the the things that people chase after. So, And all of that may change. People's doctrine may change. People's beliefs may change, but Jesus doesn't. And so what the writer is trying to say is as you're walking with God, as as you engage a relationship with God, regardless of what changes around you, Regardless of who changes around you, regardless if the doctrine changes around you, if you have your feet planted solid on the Word of God, if you have your life dedicated solidly and totally to God, if you have a good and and a whole relationship with God, then you don't have to worry about the changes around you because God does not change. The God of the past is also the God of the future. He doesn't change. We change. Circumstances change. People change. I heard one time a, a statement, it's, it's a popular statement, that the, the only thing that is certain is that, uh, that uncertainty it, it rules. It reigns. The only thing that's certain is uncertainty itself. Things change. If you don't believe it, wait just a few minutes. The weather in South Louisiana, is fixing to change. 
49 degrees this morning, 85 it seemed like this afternoon. The weather's fixing to change. If you don't like it cold, just wait. It's going to get hot. But God never changes. The same God that, that was in your past is the same God that's in the future. It's the same God that's in the present. God deals with the past. He can supply for the future. He, he promises the future. He can fulfill the destiny that you have. God knows where you're headed. God knows the plan for your life. And, and we're going to talk about the future in just a few moments. But before we get there, we're going to talk about the past. We all have past. Service started almost 20 minutes ago. The starting of this service is now past history. It's not over, but it's past history. The ending of this service is in the future. You see how narrow the past and the future is. We all have a past. God lives in our past. God is eternal. God can transcend time. So He is alive in the past. We are not. We cannot live in the past. It is time to move out of our past. You say, well, you know, you've already taught on this before. It's true. I have taught. Brother Murphy has taught. People... Ministers, preachers, evangelists have been teaching for years and preaching for years. Get out of the past. I spoke to somebody this very week that is stuck. And they, they admitted it themselves. They're stuck in the past. They can't move past a certain point in their life. We can't help the past. Once what is done is done, it is over. And there's no sense in staying there. The past does not benefit us. The past cannot add value to our life. I've seen so many times people get hung up in the past over negative circumstances. Something tragic happens. Something hurtful happens. Uh, there's a failure. There's, there's a, a disappointment. There's something, whatever it is, will transpire. And people stop their relationship with God right there. And they begin to nurse this, this hurt. And they'll do it for years. I know people tonight, I could call their names, some of you would know them, that they cannot move past a hurt 30 years ago. Our past can sometimes be grievous. There's things in our past that can be grievous, and they have a tendency to stop our forward progress. I used this illustration some time ago, and I'll use it again tonight. But if, if this is our future, if this direction is where we're headed, everybody understand this is the future. It's hard to walk into the future facing this direction. Do you see the problem with that? I know that there's things that happen to us that... that in our minds and in our hearts justifies the way we feel about them. 
I can never trust again. I can never get over again. I can never forgive God. I can never forgive somebody else. Somebody wronged me and I cannot forgive them. And and so then resentment and hatred begins to build in our lives. And, And you can sit there and say, well, Brother Merrill, nobody in here tonight is like that. Well, then take it as a ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. But there's also people that are not hung up on the negative circumstances of the past, but they're hung up on the positive. Brother Holland, you remember when he was here a couple of weeks ago, he made a statement about getting stuck on the miracles that happened years ago. That we'll focus so much on what happened that we miss what God's trying to do today. We'll focus so much. Man, let me tell you about the time when God healed me of the rheumatoid. I don't know what the rheumatoid is or the rheumatism. That's what it was, the rheumatism. I heard an elderly lady say that one time. I had the rheumatism. She did. She had rheumatoid arthritis. She called it the rheumatism. Walked into her house one day and there was a jar sitting on the windowsill. She is a die-hard member of a particular faith. There's a jar sitting on the windowsill. It was full of liquid and raisins. There's some kind of a liquid and some raisins in this jar. It was a, a cannon jar. You know what I'm talking about, those big mason jars. It had a lid on it. I said, Miss Ruby, what's in that jar? Now, this lady's in her early 70s. She said, well, somebody told me that if you soaked raisins in rum for two weeks, And then every day ate some of the raisins that would help your arthritis. I knew she didn't drink. I knew it. She was a sweet lady. A couple of weeks later, I went into the house and the jar was gone. I said, Miss Ruby, did the raisins work? She said, no, but the gravy wasn't bad. True story. But we can sometimes get caught up in what God has done or what we have done or our, our, the great time that we taught a Bible study five years ago and ten people converted. And so then we feel entitled that we don't need to teach Bible studies anymore. Well, I've already won ten people. I remember when I ministered to so-and-so, and and boy, this great miracle, and I prayed for so-and-so, I laid hands on him, and God healed him. So, man, I'm doing good. There are accomplishments that we must move past. There are things in our past that we have to get beyond uh, where, where they are. And there's nothing wrong with going back to the past to see the victories. Even the Bible in the book of Judges Talks that tells the story of Samson who killed a lion. And he went on into the city and later on he came back that way and, and he was hungry and, and he went to the carcass of that lion that, that he had left laying there and there was a beehive in there with honey. 
And it teaches us a very important uh, life lesson that in great victories that God gives us, there is a time when we can return and draw strength and draw faith and draw nourishment from those victories. And I'm not saying forget what God has done, but there are times when we get so hung up on what God has done that we miss what God's trying to do. It would be Samson killing the lion and then staying there and waiting for the beehive to produce the honey. There's times to move on, to move past uh, even the good times in life and the great things in life and let God lead us into what He wants us to be. To let God minister to, what, to our lives in the way that He wants to minister to us. So we, we leave, the, in, in the Bible, and Paul wrote that, that He forgets those things which are behind. And so we leave the past. We, and look, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to leave the past. There's so much there. For some, it's comfortable there. You've already been there. You've lived it. So it gets real comforting because you know how it ends. You know how it works. Uh, to, to leave sometimes and to venture out, you enter into the unknown. I'm not going to call this person's name, but something happened over 25 years ago in a personal relationship. And if you went and talked to this person tonight, that's all they'll talk about for hours and hours and hours and hours. That's all they'll talk about. They can't get past their past. So if we get past our past, if we get through it, if we, we plow on through and let God heal the hurts and allow God to take care of the bitterness, allow God to minister to our hatred and our bitterness and our resentment and to allow God to uh, minister to our pride and to our ego about great accomplishments in our past and about all of the good things we've done, then we must deal with the present. We must live in the present. There the present is this day. It is the one that you're living in. It's the time that you're living in. The present is what you have the most control over. You choose in the present whether you will serve God. You choose in the present what kind of attitude you will have. You choose in the present as to how you'll live your life, how you'll interact with people. That's what we choose in our present. When I was in management for a company several years ago, we had a big poster. They were real big into these motivational posters you plaster all over the wall. We put so many up, nobody would read them. But one of them said, your attitude determines your altitude. And there is a person that I work with now that is very frustrated over being passed up for promotion. You want to guess what kind of attitude they got? Guess who spends the most time talking about the boss? Guess who spends the most time saying how sorry of a company it is and how they hate every day that they're there and on and on and on it goes. They choose to have that attitude. They choose to live in that mindset. 
It is the present time. It is where we are today. And if we can allow God to control our present, allow God to control your present. It's the time you live in now. Serve God now. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Serve God today. Serve Him now. Let God control your present. It will benefit your future. In, in dealing with the future, and we'll come to it a little more in just a minute, but our present dictates a lot of what happens in the future. Now, Ricky Allman made a statement a couple years ago. It's one of those statements that you ponder for a while. Some, some of it was because some of the words got real big. And you got to get your college, the th- uh, what do they call it, thesaurus, and your dictionary, and you got to Google them and, you know, call up NASA and, and get the satellites all working and all, just to try to get a, a definition of some of these words. But I'll put it simply, what he said is God's forevision dictates God's provision. In other words, God knows where you're headed. God knows the future He has for you. And I want to say again that everybody in this building, regardless of who you are, God has a purpose for your life. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to, show, to, to tell me who believes that they are 100% doing everything God wants them to do. But it's a question that we should ask ourselves. Am I living where God wants me to live for this time in my life? Am I at the level of commitment? Am I at the level of dedication? Am I sold out to God on the level that He wants me to be sold out to Him for this time in my life? Because God's forevision, His ability to know where you're headed, will dictate to you today what He provides for you. He gives you daily, this daily bread, everything you need to make it till tomorrow. He gives us that in the present. So what God is giving you today, what God is blessing you with today, will sustain you and will keep you until tomorrow. It brings you from where you're at to where God wants you to be. We all want to reach our destiny. We all, hopefully, we all want to reach the future that God has for us. Hopefully we all want to be what God wants us to be. Hopefully you're sitting in here tonight and at least thinking, if you're not listening, at least thinking, I would like to be the everything that God wants me to be. I would like to fulfill the totality of the will of God. I want to be one of those people personally that when, and I've even prayed this, God, I want to be a person that when you think about me, you think that this is a person that I can depend on. They are a faithful servant. That's been my prayer. I realize and I know that there's, there's, I have weaknesses and I have failures, and I'm using me as an example because I'm not going to use anybody else. I'm turning the, 
the mirror, looking in the mirror at me. But I realize that that there's certain parts of my my makeup and my character, my life that are not perfect. I realize that there's talents that I don't have. I'm not beating myself up. Understand, I can't sing. Praise God for all of you that can. I'm so glad. Thank you, Brother Alexander. I'm so thankful that you can sing if you can. I cannot. It is a talent that I don't have, and it's not because I don't want to. There's a radio station that I disagree with just about everything the man that owns the radio station says. But his church choir sings some of the old hymns, and boy, can they sing. They sing Amazing Grace. They sing I'll Fly Away. They sing Day Star. They sing Heaven's Jubilee. They sing some of them old hymns that I love. And so I'll listen to them driving down the road, and I'm singing at the top of my lungs, just hoping that nobody else hears me. When we get to a red light, I have to quit just in case somebody beside me has their window down and hears this hideous sound coming out of the vehicle beside them. It's a talent that I don't have, but what I have, I want God to use in this present world. I want God to use today. I want God to use me now to affect the world that I'm living in today. I want God to take my life and say, you know what, this Merrill Murphy character with all of his problems and with all of his flaws, I can use him. He is a dedicated, he is a committed servant to me. And that's what I want in this present time. Not to worry about the past anymore. Not to focus on the past anymore. But to look at today and say, God, who can I impact today? This morning at, my, at the job that I have, I was walking around and I, and I, I just was kind of meditating on God and singing some of them old hymns. I was by myself way out in the yard, so it didn't matter. I still sang low. But I prayed, God, I, I, man, I saw somebody walking across the yard, and I could tell they were in a bad mood. I'd spoke to them about five minutes earlier. It was bad. I don't know what was wrong. And I said, God, bless them. And if I can be used to, to minister to them in some small way, then God use me. Let me be used in this present day because this is where we live and this is where we'll be the most effective. We can't get too caught up. Now, right now it's going to get real touchy because people will misconstrue what I'm saying, so please keep it in context. We cannot get so wrapped up in the future that we forget about the present. There's a story about a guy that wanted to buy a lake house. He wanted to buy a house on the lake. And so he began to save his money. And when he got enough money, he bought a boat. Man, nice boat. So when he got, so he had had the boat ready. Then he thought about it. Well, if I have this lake house and the boat and all that, I'm going to need some fishing poles and fishing gear and ski ropes and skis and life vests. And, and I'll need a pool table I'm going to put at the bottom of my fishing camp. And he began to buy all of this stuff for his fishing camp. And when it got towards the end and he began to retire, 
he realized that he had everything for the fishing camp, but he didn't have the fishing camp. He got so caught up in dreaming about the fishing camp, he never bought it. He never saved enough money to buy it, so he never wound up with what he really wanted. So what I'm trying to say is don't get so caught up in the future that you lose touch with what God wants you to do today. Because what you do for God today will build in you the characteristics and the faith and the boldness and the courage and the determination and the understanding for what God wants you to do tomorrow. Do you understand kind of what I'm saying? Everybody, at least give me a nod if you understand. If you don't understand, nod anyway. God is the God of our future. He knows what we need. He knows where we're headed. There are people in this building that has been prophesied over that you are headed to a wonderful future. But every day, it seems like there might be a struggle, or at least some days. And you don't always see your future. God did not give us the gift of ESP. And ESPN does not stand for the Extrasensory Perception Network. If you didn't get that, just let me know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. That's why we walk by faith. That's why we live by faith. God has the future. He has your future. He has my future firmly in his hand. He's not out of control. He's got the world's future in his hand. So you don't have to worry about that stuff. So let's not worry so much about our future. Now, I'm not, like I said, don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Well, Brother Merrill, you mean don't plan for retirement? I didn't say that. I didn't say cash in your 401K and stand on the side of a lake waiting for Jesus to return. That actually happened, by the way, is why I said that. Do you remember? Anybody remember that? About 35 or 40 people, 1988, cashed in all their retirement. Got all the credit cards they could get and maxed them out. When the night arose that they were going to be raptured, they went and stood beside, I think it was Lake Michigan, and waited for the rapture to take place dressed in all white robes. The next day they had credit card companies calling them, wanting to get paid for all of that stuff anyway. God has, I don't know why I even got off in that, God has our future in his hand. Look, you think that's crazy. Y'all think that's crazy? Who thinks that story's crazy? Does anybody not think it's crazy? Is everybody okay? Thank you for those that responded. Last night, Palmetto Springs Bible study. Do one every Thursday night for half or almost a year, I guess, huh? Getting close to a year. Every thir- every Tuesday night, we've had Bible study. It's a group, about 30, 35 senior citizens from all diverse walks of life. Last night, got ready for Bible study, and one of the ladies there in the Bible study 
She said, Brother Merrill, have you seen this? I should have brought it if I'd have thought about it. She handed me Reader's Digest, the new one. Anybody got it? Anybody even buy Reader's Digest anymore? Towards the back of Reader's Digest, there was about a quarter page or a third page write-up. And that write-up said, Have you heard the good news? Judgment Day will be May uh, May 21st of 2011. Jesus, you saw it? You saw it on a van? I saw on the internet they're running around in vans and everything. I said three vans. Somehow this guy has concocted in his mind this ability to determine through the Bible that Jesus will start Judgment Day, May the 21st, 2011. He's got it figured out. You know what's crazy about that? People are buying it. And he has got hundreds of people around the nation and has got enough money that they were able to buy an ad in Reader's Digest magazine to tell people, Jesus is coming May 21st. God has our future. I told those people, I hope you didn't buy into that. The Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. You are not going to pin God down to a day. You cannot come up with a day. I'm not, I don't want to get off in all that. Don't worry about the future. God has it in control. God has his hand on your life. God knows where you're at. God knows what you're going through. God knows your circumstance. God knows what you need. God knows uh, everything that's going on. He knows everything about you. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows it all. He has it under control. So to sit back and bite your fingernails and stress out, they say the number one cause of heart attacks is worrying about a heart attack. It's not high cholesterol. It's not stress. You worry so much about having a heart attack, you have one. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about these things. God is a big God. He is in complete control. Now, on Sunday mornings in the adult Bible class, we're talking about stewardship, and God gives us the the commandment to be good stewards of the things He gives us. And I'm not saying go crazy and don't worry about the future and don't retire yourself and don't make plenty of money. I hope you make a lot. But what I'm saying is stop worrying so much about what's going to happen. Get a vision. Get a vision of doing something for God. Get a vision of what you want to be for God. Get a vision of where God wants you to be. Allow God to speak to you. Allow God to move in your life and understand that this is the will and purpose of God for me and you strive for that and you work for that every day in this present world and you keep that constantly in your mind and you keep heaven constantly in front of your eyes. Heaven should always be in front of our eyes. It's our future But other than that, let's not stress. I really could care less who wins the presidential election in 2012. But there are people that are so worked up about that, they don't know which way straight. It doesn't matter. God already knows who's going to win that election if there is one. 
He knows that the rapture is going to take place before then. God's got it under control, so let's not worry about our future so much. God is in control. He, God's, his vision, his understanding, his, his forevision, his ability to know the future would tell him and dictates what he provides for us in our lives. There's things that we go through that we don't understand, but God's saying if you can make it through this, I know that it will create in you and it will make in you qualities and character traits and, and, and faith that you can use in your future. I've had people tell me that out of the life that they've come out of has only created for them a testimony to use to help other people out of that life. God knows what He's doing. We don't want to focus so much on the problems of this world and the future of what happens in this world and worry about the stresses of this world and about what's going to happen in four years or five years uh, according to this world. But let's think about our relationship with God. What can we do for God? Let's worry, or not even worry, but let's put our focus and our attention not on the past where we can do no good, not on the future that's not even in our control anyway, but let's focus our time and our energy on what we can do for God in this present time. This is where we're making our choices. Matthew 6 and 34, the Bible says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The previous verse to that scripture says, Seek ye first the kingdom. That should be our focus. That is where... Uh, our, our mind should be at is what can we do for the kingdom of God? Remember, the same God that's here today is the one that was there yesterday, and he'll be there tomorrow. You don't have to worry about God. He's got it all under control. The past, the present, and your future is in good hands. Not with all state, but with God. Because where you can't do a lot for your past, God can. Where you can't dictate a lot of what happens in your future. The Bible says that we can't even make one hair of our head turn gray. If they turn gray, we can try to change them another color. But let's focus. Let's let God use us today when we get up in the morning just say a simple prayer I'm just you can if you want just asking you to do it God use me today to affect the life of somebody you may not pray on through at Walmart you may if you do go for it sister Melanie uh, we already heard or no sister Michelle I'm sorry uh, laid hands on some little kid that was choking at Sam's Wholesale Club. Jesus' name! And boy, they spit it out and everything was fine. If you get that opportunity, minister to somebody. Don't sit there and say, well, you know, I'm kind of shy, so I'll do that tomorrow. Don't look at the future. Say, I'm going to do it today. And if you go to Sam's Wholesale Club and there's somebody choking, lay your hand on them and pray in Jesus' name. If a person at work comes up to you and says, boy, it ain't going good today, pray for them in Jesus' name. If they'll let you, I've done it. 
I've gone in the conference room with people I've worked for and said, let's join hands and we're going to pray for this circumstance. You don't have to make a big production, but pray for somebody, minister to somebody. We have today, it's all that we have. It's our, the moment, that opportunity, and oftentimes if we let that opportunity in our present past, waiting for something in our future, is gone forever. There's been times where God has wanted me to do something and minister to somebody, and I let it go. I didn't do it. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but one time God told me to go to Walmart. I didn't need to go to Walmart, but I went. I obeyed God. Boy, ain't that great? had no clue what to do. I walked around Walmart. It sounds crazy. I think about it sometimes. I think I'm, it sounds crazy. Walked around Walmart and we just walked up to one department and there stood a lady and a, and a young girl standing there and God told me, just go tell them it's going to be okay. He knows where they're at. I didn't do it. I'll be honest with you. I walked off. I was scared to death. By the time I built up enough courage to go back, they were gone. I never spoke to those people even though I knew God wanted me to. That opportunity is gone. Because I didn't take advantage of the opportunity of the present. I'm closing. Stand. I'll quit if you'll stand. Maybe. Everything I've said tonight boils down to that one point. There's nothing you can do about your past, regardless of. It's done. If, you, if there's something in you over the past, let, uh, let God take care of it. He can. You have to let him. Let go. And don't stress out about tomorrow. But focus. Focus on what you can do for God today. Let God use you. Let God speak to you. And I'm not saying God's going to tell you to go to Walmart, so please understand. But if God tells you to do something, then do it. Do it. Say what God tells you to say. Move as God tells you to move and direct you. And minister to somebody. Bless somebody. Teach somebody. We are commanded. In the, in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus, as he was ascending, go ye therefore into all the world. That doesn't mean that all of us have to be foreign missionaries. Praise God, glory to God, hallelujah. I don't want to be a foreign missionary if I can help it. Some of us have big worlds. Some of us, Brother Alexander, have small worlds. Not saying that he has a small world, understand. The man is brilliant. I'm not joking, I'm not kidding. There's only one brother, Alexander. He told me the other day that he wanted to, to engage in some conversation so he wanted to learn something. Now, I know he's over 80. How old are you, brother, A? Eh? 91. He still wants to learn. Man is phenomenal. Known him for many years now. Not as many as a lot of people, but he's a wonderful man. But some people have small worlds. Whatever size your world is, go ye into it and minister 
and preach and teach and bless people. Take this gospel to a world that is lost, that is hurting, that is dying. God's got the past taken care of. He'll provide for your future, and he'll take care of you today. Don't stress about those things. Let God use you. Praise the Lord. Appreciate you folks. Appreciate you.